All right. Mike, Michael, are you ready? I am ready. All right, Ty, you ready? Who knows, man? Let's party. <laughs> timeout. Tyler, who are we taking a timeout with today? Ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, we have Michael Backus, the president and CEO of Oswego Health. Michael, thank you for joining me and Kevin on the timeout with leaders right now. I think we're on episode 101 or something like that. <laughs> Glad to have you, man. And uh, I'm going to spire off, man. So, you know, you are the president and CEO of Oswego Health. That's awesome. But we're going to get into the nitty gritty real quick, Mike. Um, so the NBA, the Players Association, they seem to come out with rules every year to kind of toggle back and forth. What would Mike Backus change about the NBA rules today to make the sport more enjoyable to watch, even though I already love it? What are wow. you changing? Well, first of all, Kevin and Tyler, it's an honor to be here on your program. 101 episodes in. I mean, what? I think that's a total lie, Mike. That's My a total goodness. Lie, that's a but... 97, <laughs> in any regard. No, so, you know, so sports have been a part of my life forever. Uh, I grew up playing competitively. I uh, love it and and certainly watches far too much of that. I think my wife would admit that. Um, but, you know, my kids are into it now, so I get to say, yes, kids are into it. NBA, the biggest thing I wish we had, you know, I, I'm sure you're going to get into this, and that's why the whistles and the timeout come out. At the end of the day, I, I am a high school basketball official, and I emphasize that high school basketball because that's really where my love for the sport is. I just wish the rules were consistent at the end of the day. Forget what's going on in the NBA, high school, college, consistency. Because at the end of the day, you've got kids especially that are trying to learn the game. That's where I, that's where I love. That's why I am an official. I love watching kids get better every single day, and, and you see that happen in, in youth sports they get to the watch the NBA games and they get to watch them take four or five steps through the, come on. <laughs> I, I just want it to be consistent. And I have two really good friends that actually are uh, members of board 38 in Syracuse that are now doing NBA DL work. And they're, they're now really starting to move their way up and, and potentially hopefully get to do some NBA games. Uh, you know, I, I think that's definitely the expectation is that hopefully some consistency starts coming in there. Um, you know, and I think it's, it's an interesting, uh, you know, conversation to see what we can do in youth sports to maybe have that be the mirror a little bit. I know that that's not always the, the passion there though, that the NBA may have down the road, but anyway, it's, yeah. it's, that would be, if, if we I had get the ability, rid of the music during the game, that's, that's, that's what drives me nuts. The music during the game is just an, I've had it with that music during the game. You know, and, and I have to admit that that does find its way into the high school games. I had a oh game in Syracuse last week or last year. And uh, yeah, it was senior night and the, the, everybody was having a great time and we let a lot go, but when that band, the DJ started spinning it up there in the middle of free throws for the other team, I kind of had to go, boop, boop, let's just slow down for a minute. And uh, let's, how let's, many let's more let... threes, Mike, have you seen chucked up since uh, the likes of Curry and the. the... <laughs> Too many is the Do you have any comparison enough, over the years? Not nearly enough go in. You know, Steph Curry and those guys are amazing. Um, you know, so I. You know, I, I grew up playing on a team where I had to play point center. <laughs> so I would do the jump ball and then I'd have to be bring I have to bring it up. So going into the paint wasn't always my preference. <laughs> I would stand on the perimeter and fire it. But, you know, thankfully, uh, I think that that's gotten a little bit better. The thing I will say is I think there is some better mechanics. And you watch what uh, I was lucky enough to go to Denver and I saw the Jazz play. Or I'm sorry, I saw the Nuggets play out there. 
And uh, you see what some of those guys are doing at seven foot, you know, what Joker's doing is amazing. And they're just, they're fundamental players. And I think you're, you do see some of that come down through the end, through uh, youth ranks too. Um, so it's interesting, but yeah, that's a fun part of my background that I appreciate you asking about. Cause uh, I think there's an awful lot there and, and the whistles, you know, blowing the whistle. Sometimes you got to do that in healthcare too and say, all right, let's just take a pause for a minute. Let's understand our policies and procedures Hold up. You know, I haven't had to get into any technical fouls, thankfully, but you know, sometimes you got to do that in healthcare too. Yeah. And, and, and in refereeing, sometimes you got to let things go to be agile and nimble too. So I think you get to understand the, that rules are not always set in stone. If there's a better way to do the game matters, gentlemen, the game matters. Thank you. you. Thank you. Watching that, well, watching March Madness this year, I, I would have loved that sentiment shared with some of those referees because they just kill the end of the games. And it's just, uh, yeah. It's, I, I think yeah. sometimes you get a little bit ahead of your skis that can happen in officiating. There's no doubt about it. I'm guilty of it, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, I know I'm not blowing the whistle with there's one second left. I'm letting it play out in whatever form. I do not want to, I don't want to blow that whistle. I never want to be the story. That is yeah, for no. sure within, <laughs> within, within the that's, game. That's, I don't... that's the hero. That's probably why you uh, are, are a leader now at us. We go help. Um, but kind of going through, I wanted to, to, to get back to uh, some fun, get to know you questions and, and really true. say, if Tyler and I were driving through your town, your neck of the woods, that busy street that everybody has to drive down, headed to, to headed to your campus, headed to the school, what's that one message that you would like everybody to start and end their day with by passing that sign? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Oswego Health in particular, you know, we've really done a great job for 142 years of being that community hospital health system that, you know, the greater Oswego community, you know, we're here on the shores of Lake Ontario. Um, we've embedded ourselves in this community. We've been here. We've been a major employer for a long time. You know, we've got, you know, nuclear power facilities locally. We've got a state university, you know, at Oswego here in the, in the community, um, you know, and, and we've been rural but sub suburban in some regards to Syracuse you know we're only half an hour 45 minutes from downtown Syracuse so it's not like we're all that far away when it really comes down to it um so I really like to think of us being that consistent partner that's embedded in our community that's focused on quality care if I have to really put all the definitions behind it that's what Oswego Health is um, and, you know, that's part of why I agreed to jump into the health system. You know, I was on the board. I'm sure we'll get into some of that bio in a little bit. But, you know, I was on the board. I was looking at it. You know, we had a good we had a couple of really good leaders here, but they weren't here. Um, they were not going to be here for the long term. They, they, you know, my predecessor kind of came in and, you know, he was from a much larger system in Pennsylvania. He's kind of at an end of career position, you know, wanted to retire. And, you know, we got in a spot where we needed somebody local. And, and I think localism does matter in healthcare. You want to have that confidence that that's the health system that Mike Backus goes to. Not that Mike Backus is special, but, you know, I went to high school with a lot of these people. I went to college with a lot of these folks. I mean, I've been part of that. So you're I, so I local that... that your family owns the newspaper. That's, that's, I <laughs> mean, come on. You used to write in it for Christ's yeah. sake. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I, you know, to even get, even more unique and you ask about driving down this down the road you know this hospital you know was there for me when I was a baby you know I wasn't born here I'll, I'll admit that I was born at Krause down in Syracuse but um I, I I'm sorry I was born at Community General not Krause a kid uh, another child was born at Krause but I was born at Community General 
But the, uh, you know, this hospital, you know, when I had an allergic reaction as a baby, my parents whipped that car around. And I don't know if I was even in a car seat back then, but whatever, whipped that car around and came, brought me back to RED. And this hospital literally saved my life. Wow. Um, that happened more than once, sadly. Um, and, wow. you know, I was I was the kid that sprained his ankle and had to come in here. I played a lot of sports. We've already talked about this hospital was there for me. And, you know, I think that's a story that needs to be told more. And I think we're doing a good job of that. And we're, we're the entity that's there to help take care of these folks. And it's just an honor to lead the system in that regard and have that. It sounds like you're echoing that same sentiment, that same personal story, which is kind of this like changing of the guard is what you're saying in leadership. But that's the same story that I assume that a lot of your employees want to hear too, because it seems like it's a, a community health system. They all have common stories or sentiments and, and things yeah. like that. So what are you yeah. put? What quote are you putting on this billboard that we're talking about? What you personally, quote? you as a man, father, skip the CEO seat. What are you? What's your? What's your? What's your quote that you want everybody to drive by? Yeah, I I, I think Oswego Health does a good job of being inclusive. I, I think that's the word I keep. I go back to at the end of the day is that you know we work with everybody locally. We say we want to be that place, whether it's you know, the, the sports teams locally in their community, whether it's it's your 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 family's needs, if it's folks that need longer term care, you know, we're a true health system. We have a skilled nursing facility that's part of our of our of our health system. And you know, that whole continuity of care, we're there for you in any moment. And at the end of the day, we have this mantra that we created and branded a bit this year called We Care. Uh, I think that really is the emphasis and that is really our at the end of the day, our motto. So if I had to hang a hang a shingle that had a quote on it, it would be just that simple. Uh, we care, period, end of sentence. Come to us and we'll help navigate whatever that challenge may be. Yeah. Basically, if you take care of the community, the community is going to take care of you. So that's I, that's who we've been for 142 years, 143 years now. And that's what we're going to continue to be going forward. And I think it's also the benefit of being an independent health, hospital health system. Yeah. Um, you know, my board, I report to our board of directors, our board of directors, the community board, you know, we're not a for-profit system, we're a not-for-profit system, and, you know, we're able to really make good decisions very quickly. Um, I think that's a huge benefit right now in healthcare. Oh, big time. Yeah. Because I think a lot of the other ones are so big that it's like steering the Titanic into the Erie Canal sometimes. They see what <laughs> It's doing. hard to do, and and we work with those larger systems. You know, there's certain things we're not going to do here at Swiggle Health, but we can help make those good connections, and that's why we focus on primary care in particular. You know, folks that make sure they have their doc and they can say, hey, this is what's needed, and that doc can give you that counsel. A lot of times it starts there, and then we help navigate you through the system. And certainly we have great specialty care, orthopedics, GI. We do a, you know, a lot of great things, but sometimes you need that higher level, and that's okay. And we'll work with folks on that. Um, and we have those good partnerships to have that ability, and, and that they're all local. And at the end of the day, you have that connection to us. We get you started. We get you that connections, and we'll build from there. That's a great way to build community medicine. Oh, yeah, and that uh, gets back to you. We care. I mean, at the end of the day, it's patient outcomes and it's health. So and it's not a it's not a profits. And how do we keep them within our system? How can we stretch an expertise a little bit further? I I, I think that's that's really where where you guys shine. I mean, because at yeah. the end of the day, you just want that person to be healthy and feel safe. So that's exactly that. right. And, it, and it's really that emphasis too on quality. At the end of the day, you know, we have some physicians here that are dedicated really dedicated to their patients. And sometimes they look at that and they say, you know, what can I do differently to say, hey, I need this alternative method. I need this other thing. And we can bring that to you. Um, you know, Oswego Health went out there and we redesigned our medical surgical floors during COVID. And we somehow pulled that off at some of the most difficult times to do it. 
you walk through our third and fourth floor med surge beds and they are as state-of-the-art in any healthcare facility. I don't care where you are. I heard are. it's like staying at the Ritz. Jamie it's, was telling it's, us. Yeah. It's at yeah. times, you know, harder to get folks to leave, but that's okay. <laughs> that's all right. Um, but they're really great for families. And, you know, sometimes you have to have hard conversations and having that in a private single room, that is so helpful and that drives quality. And that's what, again, creates that connectivity to this community. Because again, it's a small, it's a small city at the end of the day, as we go, and it's a small community. Everybody knows each other. Sometimes you don't want that. You want you want to have that understanding that this is my personal health mission. This is what I'm working on. And you know, I, I think that's a really important thing that we've leaned into and done a really good job. Our, our hospitalist team is as talented as it's ever been. You know, Dr. Nick Ranieri is our director now of our hospitalist team, and he is a local guy. He's committed, he's young, he's upstate trained, he's as good a guy as you're ever going to find in healthcare, built a really good team around it. And I think you see that reverberate throughout the entire healthcare system. Um, I, it's a great place to build from. Let's put it that way. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, man, Mike, well, I hear that oomph in your voice, man. It's like shining through like a bright light. And I wanted to know where it comes from. So, so before Oswego Health, before you were a CEO, before Lemoyne College, um, who was Mike Backus? Like where, where did this foundation come from and how was it built? Yeah, you know, I've been a competitor my whole life. That that's that's for sure a big part of my background. Um, you know, grew up playing sports. My family owned uh, some businesses, and and you know, we recently sold those. Uh, but you know, I grew up having to really scrap for, and you know, I my first job was at our our family newspaper, and it wasn't just writing. You know, it was actually cleaning inkwells. Uh, you know, I think it was at least a little bit of a joke from our our pressmen, if I have to be honest. Going back to when I was like fourteen, yeah, something like that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, getting rolling up your sleeves, getting in there, going in at six in the morning, you know, hauling newspapers out, uh, you know, again, and those were connections to the community that, you know, I learned at a very young age, uh, that were super important. And that was started with family, right? Um, uh, started with that, with that newspaper background, you know, and then, you know, getting through college and, uh, you know, going on and, and doing the academic pursuits and then, you know, working through the rest of the resume, if we want, you know, I, I, I've had a diversified path. And I think that's beneficial, uh, especially in today's world, especially the last several years in healthcare, because so much of what we had, we've had to do comes from government, it comes from public affairs, it comes from public relations, it's communication, it's management. Uh, you know, a, a lot of that speaks to that ability to weave in many different talents and many different backgrounds. Um, and sometimes it's pressing pause and hitting the whistle and saying, let's, let's take a minute. Uh, let's go back to the rule book. Um, I, I think that is important too. Um, but that's who, where I started and where I've come from. And, you know, a lot of it is just embedded in this community because I, I grew up in Mexico, New York, which is just down the road, you know, 15 minutes away from Oswego. And, you know, I'm very proud to be raising my family there now. Um, you know, it, it's a really big, uh, it's a, it, localism is important to me. And I think our, our hospital system, we're, we reflect that. And so many of my friends from high school and college and, you know, uh, just family friends, you know, have been through this facility, either as a patient, as a caregiver, as a family member, now running it myself, taking that responsibility. That, that's the greatest honor I possibly can have. Man, yeah, that's, that's that awesome. I get and how do you, how do you uh, I don't want to say deal with it, but how do you <laughs> cope or, 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 or you know, I, I got two questions in one, I guess. Like, okay. how, yeah, so you got a lot of responsibility. Um, sure. I guess just plain and simple. 
how do you deal with it? And for me, how do you turn it off? Like there's gotta be always something to do. <laughs> there's always something to do. There's always an email that's going to pop. There's always a phone call. There's always somebody that needs something and that's okay. Um, the best thing I possibly can answer that question, way I can answer that question is uh, I have focused from day one when I got here as, as COO uh, an EVP on the team at the end of the day. And I have, and I am blessed with one of the best leadership teams, I think in healthcare in central New York in particular, I, I, they're talented individuals. A lot of them are very local. They're from upstate at least, or they're from this region. Um, and they understand the need for that community-based medicine. They like being independent as a system um, but, you know, we have some unbelievably talented people here. You know, our chief nursing officer is very local. Our CFO is very local. You know, our, our, our leadership team, we're all very local, committed, embedded people in this community. So they have that same mechanism. So if I need to turn it off for a, for a couple hours and, you know, maybe get a little bit of sleep, I've got confidence that those people have my back and vice versa. And I think we really have done a good job of replicating that. Um, it's hard. I'm not gonna not gonna sugarcoat that. It's a really big challenge to keep everything aligned and keep driving forward on that. I'll also say I'm blessed to have a, a board of directors that's community based. They are local. They are a lot of business owners. They understand how hard this is from a day to day perspective because, in many respects, they lived COVID the last three years with us because we had to say to them, listen. Nothing, nothing makes sense anymore from a financial perspective. That that was part of healthcare. It got stood on its ear in healthcare. You saw costs rise with inflation. You saw those those big time challenges come in from a staffing perspective. We had to be very transparent. That's another word that I'll, I will always go back to as a leader. We had to be very transparent and say these are real challenges we're dealing with. It's going to be different now that we have that we have and we have to redesign the way we do what we do our reporting. I'm blessed to have a board of directors that was with us from day one on that. And I think they've really done a good job of helping us now design a strategic plan out of that. But we had to be willing to share and be a little bit vulnerable too, and say, you know, we, we do get overwhelmed. You know, we need an extra minute. Um, this plan, this, this plan isn't quite baked. It's not quite ready. Uh, and they, they live that with us and, and we shared that with them. And, and then we then built out of it. So uh, it's hard. It's not easy to, to compartmentalize always. I've always been pretty good about that. You know, sometimes you have a tough game. You got to put that, you got to put that aside and you got to move on and practice tomorrow. We'll be there. Yeah. That's healthcare too. You know, you've got a tough outcome. You have a tough situation. Uh, you got to manage that. And then at the end of the day, work through it. And you know, there's going to be that next patient coming in the door tomorrow. Uh, you make sure you you go back and you say, stay true to who you are and your policies and your procedures. And you always look to get better. Um, that's the great thing. I, you know, I, I have kind of a phrase I use, I meet with all our employees every week. Um, when they first start all of our new hires, I meet with them with our HR director, uh, um, the first week when they're here during orientation. And one of the things I say every single time is any health organization is a learning organization. That is a mantra that I will always hear to. And I think our, our leadership team does too. And sometimes that's, that helps you kind of take that step back too and manage those more difficult conversations. Big time. I mean, you mentioned a couple of things, the transparency, greatest way to rebuild trust that may or may not have been lost during the pandemic. Very stressful time for a lot of different people. 
Um, and then just being vulnerable, I think um, that's the only real way to kind of rebuild some of that social fabric in order to Absolutely. really become a learning organization. I'm going to ask you to kind of dive a little bit deeper into what it means to you to be a le learning organization or a learning leader, um, because I think that is it, right? I think that is the curiosity button. I think that's the continuous innovation button. I heard you say I have surrounded by a great team, so I trust them and they have my back. Your frontline employees, even the people that are the janitorial services want to know that you have their back as well. How do you become and how do you foster that learning organization to continuously improve and get better? Yeah. So one of my favorite books, it's probably actually my favorite book, and I got it there in my MPA. It's called Fierce Conversations by Dr. Susan Scott. And it talks an awful lot about not being afraid to have that difficult conversation because you're going to learn from it. Yeah. And I think that was something that I, I really latched on to, especially during COVID when we were here. You know, you mentioned our janitorial team, our EVS squad they really were the folks at the end of the day that helped us get through COVID. Um, you know, our nursing staff, Kurt, certainly our, our respiratory therapy team, no question about it. But that EVS team really took ownership of our facility and said, we're going to do what we can to make sure from an infectious disease control standpoint, we're there and we're providing that quality that we really want. And they owned it. And I just think that that was so impactful for us. And, you know, we had, you know, great conversations. We had this daily huddle, sometimes two, three times a day to talk through whatever our challenges were in a very transparent manner. And, you know, we really called it out and said, listen, if you're having a hard time with something, bring in your resources. Don't be afraid to say, hey, I need X, Y, or Z. Um, and, and that was really beneficial. You know, our, our medical surgical project, like I mentioned earlier, we renovated our third and fourth floor here. Our team said we need to pause that. We had to pause in the middle of COVID. It cost us a bunch of money, but it was the right decision to make. We were able to get it done because we did that. We took care of patients. We managed it. And then we executed on the long run, and then it worked. And I think it's that same metric, that same taking that time, learning from what you're doing, and not being afraid of a hard conversation. There, you know, I think you really need to be able to do that, especially the other word I'll use is empathy. You know, people went through a, a really difficult time. And like you said, there, there's a, a version of trust in there and, and, and faith that you need to have in healthcare. Um, sometimes you've got to have that empathetic moment to say, where are you personally, you know, and, and what can I do to help you on that? Um, I like to think I try to be an empathetic leader. And I, and I think that I've, I've built that a little bit within the team to say, listen, let's take a minute and put ourselves in somebody else's shoes for a sec and say, hey, this is why they're saying I need X, Y, or Z. Um, you know, and again, as an independent health system, typically, uh, if it's a good idea and it fits within what we're trying to achieve and do, we can execute it pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's been the way we've built out of that. And I, I think I heard the magic words is they took ownership of that you weren't totally. telling them what to do. And, and I think creating that environment is is a challenge in and of itself because you entrust the people closest to the problems for the answers to the solutions. And I, I wouldn't say that that's a common theme um, uh, across leadership and management. Um, yeah, but you have to be open. Listening. I mean, yeah, you yeah. got to be open to it. I mean, I, yeah. I think that's a if you're not listening to your team, you're going to lose your team. And at the end of the day, that is a truism I will always hold on to. Yeah, that's how do you create that trusting relationship? Like, is it do, do you find you being transparent? Because being through that process, you were you were kind of showing the challenges, 
But you yeah. presenting the challenges then allowed your team to probably organize and understand how individually they could help solve that particular challenge. Did you find that? Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I think that, you know, another way to kind of look at it, I guess, is to say, you know, we we spent an awful lot of time taking our time really looking at the looking at the overall problem we were trying to solve for you know covid let's just talk about that for two seconds covid didn't hit upstate new york as fast as it did new york city but we had to prepare for it as if it was coming because we knew someday it was and that was a really strange time for us but we listened to each other during that time frame and we said all right here's what we have in place and it helped us prepare for that eventual reality that it did hit us at the end of 2020 all of 2021 a good chunk of 2022 and it helped us as the as the vaccine came out and as you found therapies you found in a way for us to be able to say okay this is why now we're taking these steps to build out of it um and, and i think it came down to you know i, I another phrase i've used is you know two ears and and, and one mouth use them in proportion yeah. uh I try to listen twice as much as I talk. And sometimes I think that drives people a little bit crazy because I'm the leader, right? I'm the president, CEO. Mike, tell me, tell me what needs to happen. I I can do that, but I'd rather have you create that buy-in with me because what you share is what I'm going to need to say. And then I'm going to hear the reverberation out of that. It's going to actually be the work product. It's mm -hmm. actually going to be the quality metric that we really build out. Um, that is, that's to me the best way you can lead and whoever came up with that phrase, you know, oh, yeah. ears in one mouth, use them in proportion. <laughs> I'm going to hold on to that forever. Oh yeah. But I, I love what you have to say. If you're not listening, then you don't really understand their preferred ways to be communicated with or to limiting your yeah, ability you have, to and, explain and, that why, right? So then they don't have any understanding and then they're not listening. So I think yeah, you doing and, that is, is really how you're continuing to improve that, that that process or experience. Yeah, Kevin, I, the other part too is that, especially in healthcare, and, and I, I certainly have learned this or, or continuously will learn this, you got a lot of people here that are super talented, that know their jobs, and they've got, they're, they're the ones seeing the patient, right? So they have, they, they know in large respects exactly what they need to do Maybe they need the resource. Maybe they need another piece uh, of equipment. Maybe they need a, a something else to help to, to help manage that. I have to listen to that, and I need them. That's an important thing in healthcare, uh, you know, and, and making sure that they have the the tools they need, the teammates to do it with, and then the work life balance to actually work their way through that. Uh, that's really what comes down to my job, mm -hmm. and, and I think that is something that we have to just continuously say over and over again. And we have to really bake that into the leadership culture that we have. Um, I like to think we're doing that at Oswego Health. And I, and I think that it's something that's perpetual at the end of the day. Um, having that faith and trust and making sure, listen, I hired you to be able to manage that and do this and have that faith, but then have that faith to say, hey, listen, if there's something you do need out of that, let me know. That's a great culture to build off of. Big time. Big time. Because that's the collaborative environment that most people, that's where we feel valued, that we belong, that we can actually positively impact and have change. And when we see a problem, and frankly, if those environments don't exist, people find workarounds and yeah, they become bigger issues. Yeah, well, man, Mike, I think you got it down, brother. Uh, <laughs> I don't you know. know. <laughs> I, I love it, man. Uh, 
And you mentioned uh, Susan Scott earlier, I think, uh, yeah. the author to uh, what was it, Fierce Conversations. Um, who can you give uh, Kevin and I a few other leaders that you look up to that you learn from? Oh, that's tough. Absolutely. Um, so I think everybody in their own way is a leader at the end of the day. I will always come back to that. I think everybody depends on where you're doing or what you're working on is a leader. Um, I'll, I'll name one person in particular here, local, and then I'll take a larger uh, viewpoint. You know, our, our local mayor here, Billy Barlow, he's now part of our system. Uh, he, he, I hired him here recently, um, but he had, he's a young guy, came back to Oswego. He's from here, went to college out West, came back, got into politics, ran for office. And in the last eight years, he has transformed the port city of Oswego, you know, in an, a remarkable way. And, you know, he was able to secure a grant, $10 million that I think then replicated times four. I mean, you've seen almost 40 million, I think, dollars of investment in, in the city of Oswego. And it took a younger guy. <laughs> it took a younger person who didn't necessarily have local ties. And I mean, his family's in business, you know, and it had somebody just kind of say, I'm going to do this because it's a good idea and it needs to be done. And, and I, I really looked to him and, he, you know, I've, I've, he's become a great friend and a great resource. And I'm thrilled he joined the health system because he's helping us do some of that same development and thought process now in the health healthcare system. You know, it took somebody like that for the city municipally to take that big leap forward because mm -hmm. Oswego, you know, has gone through a lot of change over the last many, many years it, it, previously to Billy and some of it not so great. And now we've started to really take that as support. We have a downtown. You've got apartment buildings that are now market rate that you have the actually physicians living in. You know, you didn't have that eight years ago. Um, you know, you've got you've got some really good cores. You've got some you got a splash park that just opened. You, you know, you've got a water park that just opened. I mean, there's some really unique things here locally happening that are really cool. And again, it goes back to that creating that work life balance as an employer. You didn't always have that here in Oswego because you go, ah, you know, I got to go to the bigger city to have access to these things. Now you've got some of that here locally. That took leadership. Um, so I think locally, that's one person that certainly I look up to. I think he's done a great job, you know, and then, you know, more globally, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of a person in particular, but, you know, I, 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 I spend a lot of time, you know, I'll name one. I, I think that it, it's, it's hard for healthcare leaders sometimes to say, you know, I, I need, I need help. Uh, and, you know, I, I've been very lucky, Dr. Bob Corona at Upstate Medical in Syracuse. He's been somebody I've been able to call and say, hey, can you help me work through this? Uh, I, I, help me think differently about what's going on. And he's somebody that I, I think has that ability to kind of have a lot of years of experience in it. He's, you know, worked the level one trauma center. You know, I, I, I've, he's been a great partner for us locally. I've been able to really benefit from having that relationship. And, you know, I, he, he encouraged me and our health system encouraged me to do a, a leadership fellowship with the American Health Hospital Association, uh, their next gen leader fellowship program. And I'm completing that this year, you know, having that ability to lean in and kind of say, all right, and then look across the entire country and have other young folks that, you know, are going through and are in leadership positions that are trying to build out and build health system, healthcare systems focused on patients, having that ability, you know, having that local tie, but then having that national impact has been uh, really beneficial to me. And again, 
there's a local tie to that because we do work very closely with upstate. We work very closely with all, all three systems down in Syracuse. Um, but having that has been very beneficial to us as, as Oswego Health as well. Love right on, Mike. And, and, and I, you keep saying the word consistently. I, I think you started out with your your your, uh, your, MB, your your basketball rules was consistent. And to me, man, like healthcare is like, you know, I don't care how good you are at it today, but how long can you go, right? It doesn't stop. Um, how, how do you and, and your squad over there, um, I guess, I don't want to talk about work-life balance too much, but how, how do you keep that consistency at all times, right? Because one bad egg ain't good, right, that, when it comes to health. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, no, yeah, yeah, I get your question, Don. It, it's, it's, you've got to be always on and ready. The, the, <laughs> the challenge, though, is having, like I said earlier, having that team that you trust, and mm-hmm. I think that's what we're trying to build towards. Um, again, it's perpetual. You've got to always be on that grind because it's, you know, it's our responsibility to go out and recruit those folks. Um, but I think we do a good job of that. And, you know, always look into the future too. You know, part of our strategic plan, which we just ratified with our board, talks about expansion. You know, I, I think in today's world, it's it's not something that healthcare systems are always looking at because of how how difficult it's been. But our board, our our team, our you know, we brought in a third party vendor to help us work through this. They said you're doing all of the things right. You're you're kind of that con- continuum of care that people can say, I don't really know how I access your health system, but now you've helped me navigate this challenge I'm working through, and I've gotten to this. That's a really cool thing to have and replicate. We need to now expand upon that. I think that's part of our obligation. Um, so yeah, and, and I think it is too allowing people to take time when they want it (laughs) as well. You know, I'm not a a butts and chairs kind of guy, you know, at the end of the day, I have great faith, especially, you know, in, in our team here that they know what needs to be done. Um, You know, if that means that they need to get done on this hour or that hour because it works and you need to take, you know, the afternoon (laughs) to go do something because you haven't been home all, all last week, that's fine. Um, I, I, I'm not, I'm not a stickler about that. We've tried to make it out. I mean, obviously you need to be in person in large respects in healthcare to see that patient in front of you. We do telehealth and all of that as well, of course, but, uh, you know, so much of it is personally in, 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 in interactions, you know, where we can though, we'll allow a little bit of, of work from home as needed and try to be flexible. Um, we have a lot of young leaders within our health system that have young families. I have young kids. Um, I, you need, I, I value that time at home. And a lot of that is how you help compartmentalize your day uh, to say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to watch my son's little league game today and I'm going to be there. I'm going to watch this for three hours. I'll answer emails at seven, eight o'clock, nine o'clock, whatever it takes to make sure you keep moving. Um, but you got to have that ability. And I, I think I try to replicate that from a leadership perspective. I try to do that myself. It's not easy. I will tell that. I will say that, you know, it's one of the reasons why burnout is, is a real high thing and it's a real problem in healthcare um, because you're, you do have to always be on, but I think that's why you build out those teammates you build out those mechanisms to say, what are those tools that those teammates need in order to be successful? And hopefully some of that creates that work-life balance that a lot of people, most people really want. Um, and, you know, we work very hard to provide that. Yeah. And I think you, you living out what you're asking when you're saying work-life balance, you taking that time obviously shows that it's okay. And I think that top-down approach, I mean, we preach it, but sometimes we see people 
the people that are working the hardest, staying the latest are the ones getting the pats on the back. So subliminally, we're telling us we prefer you not to have a work-life balance, even though we know that's what you want. Um, and I heard you say a couple things. You mentioned the mayor over eight years. You mentioned um, almost his ability to entirely change a situation from, I. it sounds like breaking the confines of old practices and or habits. And uh, undoubtedly, I'm sure you had to do similar things. But what I heard from both the story that you shared and and kind of your own reflection is that you're you're willing to step outside the box when you know it's towards that common goal that everybody's looking to achieve. You've said local a thousand times, probably. <laughs> and you've said community a thousand times. And those are two <laughs> things that are nearest and dearest to Tyler and I's heart. Because when I'm in the business community, I say, don't you want the community around your business where we work and live to thrive as well? Because when that's thriving, your business is going to thrive and not, I wouldn't say it's always as transparent for most leaders to see how they can contribute, where they can contribute and all, all their overall impact on the community's health. You see that very clearly. How do you continue to share that message internally? Because that's probably the motivational beating drum that you share internally, that we're a community, we're supporting our community. You're hearing all the great stories because you're the CEO. So I'm sure you hear a lot of the great stories. How do you make sure you're effectively and your team is effectively resharing those stories in, internally to fuel that passion, that purpose that most people understand it's going to be a stressful situation, but they love to see and know that they're making a difference. How do you make yes. sure that you reinforce that message? Yeah, so certainly we have the internal you know, mechanisms. We do the master broadcast to the health, health system to email it out. Not everybody's in front of their computers to see that on a regular basis, yeah. providing care on the floor. So we also do these eye care messages and these eye care awards where we go out on the in, in, in the floor, we go out wherever the, the employee is. And often that's tied to a testimonial from a patient or a family that somebody went above and beyond and provided care that was extraordinary. And we take the department lead, we take the manager, we take the, the leadership team member, we take, you know, our whole squad. If we, if we can bring everybody from leadership down, celebrate with them, read it out. They get balloons that they must carry, <laughs> you know, with them all day. That's one of my favorite jokes. Thank you. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's awful to say that. I'm there's your Michael Scott moment right yeah, there. Yeah. There's my Michael Scott moment. Exactly. <laughs> um, that's exactly right. Um, but you no, know, we do all that. They get a gift card. They get a preferred parking spot. I think, you know, there, there's a bunch of stuff to it. It's a really nice way to, to say to folks, Hey, you did something that really impacted somebody in a, in a really unique way. And it's not always, it's typically an employee, but we just, we had a recognition, uh, not terribly long ago. We, we have a partnership with a local community benefit organization, um, with that drives a shuttle. And, you know, this, this gentleman, took a patient of ours and family members, and he really went above and beyond um, what was needed. And the family member wrote in a, a beautiful uh, uh, note card and commentary and said, you know, you cared for my loved one as if this person was a member of your own family. And, you know, he, you know, we brought that community benefit organization in, we celebrated them in our lobby, you know, we, we recognized them and it was, you know, there was a lot of tears at that moment. It was really a, a a very touching moment. You know, somebody that you don't always interact with, you don't always see. But for me, that's the guy that I always give a fist bump to whenever I see him down down, down the lobby. That's the guy that I always just kind of check in with. And, and you know, that goes through the rest of the system. Um, and you do that. And, 
you know, we also try to celebrate all of our folks, you know, when they have milestones, you know, we do a, a newsletter, we recognize them. I like to write handwritten notes. I'm old school like that. Yeah, Sometimes I, I think some people can't always read my handwriting, but that's all right. Then they call and have a conversation. We get to talk. It's great. You work with doctors. They rub it off. Yeah, 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 that's what you can there's, say. There's, there's, the, there's the doctor that. handwriting. <laughs> um, but but Mike, it's, I, I don't, I'm not, I know I'm not your publicist, but that sounds like the quote I would put in downtown Oswego that they care as much about my family as if they were a, me a member of my family. So yeah, I'm not no. your publicist, but maybe that's a quote that I would share because I think that spells out what we care truly means. And without and a doubt, I no, I think that's smart. And maybe we've come to that here, Kevin. Yeah, Hold on. Yeah. Um, I, love, but I, love, it's, I love it though. But, <laughs> but I think it's that, I think it's that you, level that really matters. And, and it's, and again, that's a community tie, right? Big time. And that's, that's where you make local and community real, right? And that's and that's and that's and I think making that real for your nurses for the, for the environmental and, and health side of the business, everybody has to do their part in order to achieve that outcome that we all see. Yep. But yep. You we travel, you know, with Sugo Health, we have seventeen different locations spread throughout all of the county. So, you know, sometimes we have to we go to some of the lab draw sites, we go to the other facilities, the urgent cares, wow. to say to those people, hey, this is what you did those people don't always see us. They don't always see people because you're off site. Um, so we really try to make sure we go to where those folks are, celebrate what they're doing and say, Hey, you made somebody's day today. Yeah. Which is huge. everybody's, everybody's a leader. That's another exactly. one. Right? That's, yeah. uh, I got like six of them, man. You have some, some awesome, awesome words that mean that mean that carry some weight, man. I hope and, so. Yeah. And I wanted, I wanted to chime in real quick. Just, uh, I don't know if this is personal or if it's, uh, oh, good. I see it a lot. Um, and others, but do, do you think there's a fear of always being on? It, you so, know what I mean? You know, back, let me let me let me answer that, Tyler, in my own unique way. So, uh, Facebook. Let me let me be let me be that <laughs> that person. So okay. I, I go back. This is this is my age. I was I was I'm old enough to know Facebook when you had to have a .edu email yeah, address, yeah, right? Yeah. Facebook and this original platform had this little section. I think it talk about you and. And it's, you know, and, it, and I think there's like limited amount of characters in it. And it said, you know, what do you, and it, said, and it said, I like to work a lot. That was my, that was my entire answer. So for me, for me, I've always been somebody that, you know, I went from, you know, working with my family. I went to practice. Typically there was a game or something else at the end of the day. And then I go back home and I'd shoot another couple hundred jumpers in my yard. So I, I, I've always been that person that's kind of always been on. I know that, but I also know that that's not everybody. Um, I, 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 again, I go back to that empathy conversation. I know that others are people that, you know, listen, I clock in, I clock out, Mike, and that's it. And, and I respect that. There's, there's great benefits to people like that too. Um, I, I just, I'm all, and I, I think I also compartmentalize real well. You know, there's tough, there's tough conversations that have to happen in leadership, right? You have to be willing to be part of that. Um, but you also have to be understanding, listen, I've done my research. I've done my homework. I understand the situation. I've come to a conclusion that I can stand behind personally, ethically, professionally. This is what we're going to do. And then we're going to move on to the next conversation. I, I think you have to be able to do that as a leader. You have to be able to compartmentalize knowing that you've done your time. You've researched it. You've been part of it. You do that, you're going to make good decisions, and nine times out of ten, they're going to work to your benefit. No, but compartmentalizing that ego and being able to ask for help, I think, is a, a vulnerability that most people aren't willing to do. So I think that that ability shows that hey, I don't know everything. I don't want to know everything. That's why I hired you. Is really what a lot of people are looking to give because people, it's a, it's it's fascinating if.
they they really ultimately want to perform. Um, yeah. But they need to know what the performance metrics are. They need to know kind of how they're doing within the moment. And like I shared before we got on the show, my father worked in a healthcare system and I grew up in one. And actually that was the path that I really wanted to go down and, and it didn't work out, right? So resilience factor, um, trying to f- figure out why I wanted healthcare. It's just that you would see somebody broken, you were able to help and yeah. walk them wa- watch, watch them walk out healthy, right? That was gratifying for me. And, and I think, and in, in, in sometimes we, there is this dynamic that I saw and witnessed between doctors, nurses, and frontline staff, that those same egos are very hard to put aside and ask for help because they are supposed to know those answers. How do you preach, because we're big on diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, and it's a yeah. real challenge um, within healthcare because healthcare models really society outside of the walls of its business. How do you help to mediate that? How do you help to build that connection, that bond that is so important to the overall patient experience? Don't get me wrong. Having a single room, having my privacy. Yes, that's a part of my patient experience. But at the end of the day, it's typically those nurses and that cleaning crew that is interacting with me most that has the most impact on my overall experience. Yeah, It's replicating that leadership, those leadership traits to me. It's making sure that those folks, no matter what position you're in within the healthcare system, your interaction with that patient comes from the same mission. It comes from the same values. It comes from that same, this is why I'm doing what I do. This is why I work at Oswego Health. That, that I think, is the answer to all of it. And, and it comes from that core, you know, saying, listen, we care about you as an individual. You know, a, a lot of times, I mean, I, I, I stress this. I know I've said it a lot today, but... A lot of times that caregiver or that person is interacting with somebody that they may see in the grocery store. They might be a relative. They might be a fam, a friend. They might have some level of connection. That's community medicine. And, you know, understanding that and saying, hey, let's be let's bring whatever resources we need to the table to take care of that moment. That's quality care. Yeah. Um, and I think we do really well with that here at Go Health. So we emphasize on that. We build towards that. And the DEI side of it, you know, understanding that there's lots of people that come through our doors from a lot of different walks of life. And that's okay. Um, you know, I, I, I shout out our, our Lakeview Center for Mental Health and Wellness an awful lot. It's a brand new facility. We received a, a transformation grant from the state of New York and then put in, I think, another $4 million, I think, of our own money from Oswego Health. And we scaled up a, a, a tremendous community resource in behavioral health that you know, is really state of the art. It is the only, the only thing I've ever said negatively about it is I just wish we could have built a second floor. Yeah, we, we took, we took an old grocery there, store. Right? Yeah. yeah. We took an old grocery store, renovated the heck out of it wow. uh, and built a, a tremendous community resource in a very, very difficult service line. Um, behavioral health is hard work. It just yeah. is. And it meets people at times when you, like you said, might be a little bit broken and you got to figure out a way to say, all right, what pieces can I put back together today to take care of that individual? Um, and we have some some really tremendous people in our health system that speak to that really well. Jamie Lashinsky, you know, our chief brand officer, senior vice president, she does a great job of, of communicating some great stories and talking about why it's impactful for her, given some of her journeys. I think that's really important for us as a health system to continue to replicate and talk about and why we're making some of those investments in care. Um, that's not always something that happens in healthcare. It's not something that always happens in, in hospitals, especially smaller hospitals. Sweet Health has said, we're going to own that because it's important to our community. Yeah. 
And that's always fascinated me is sometimes in, in healthcare systems, you, you want the best patient outcomes, but you're asking a sick person to take care of a sick person and expect somebody to come out okay. And that's, yeah. and, and because they're, they're sacrificing their own health to help others and mental health, behavioral health, like you said, is, is really this emerging need, whether it's now people know there's more resources out there for whatever reason during the pandemic, the social isolation, loss, whatever the reason, yeah. mental health. How have you normalized that conversation? Because in healthcare too, that was usually something that was asked to be put aside. Yep. And and just like in all other businesses. That hey, yep. that's not so important. I think Oswego Health, and, and I'm not gonna take I'm not gonna take credit for it because we as a system made this decision. I was on the board, but you know, under our previous CEO, you know, we made this decision to go after this and work on it and build on it. And it was a part of our system that was part of an older facility, wasn't wasn't great. It, it just wasn't. We wanted it to be great. If we were going to do behavioral health services, we wanted to do it right. And we committed ourselves and we jumped in with that. Um, it, it's it's extraordinarily difficult work, but it's meaningful and needed. Um, and it's also something that I, I think, I don't want to say there's generational change, but I think people are more accepting of those conversations now. It's okay to say I'm having a really tough day and I'm 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 at a point where I'm I'm not good. I think that's okay. And again, it goes back to that vulnerability and being willing to be part of that. Um, you know, we had a local family here that gave a, a tremendous uh, philanthropic gift to us. Uh, and it's focused around mental health and wellness. The family, for the first time, told their story about about, about their, their brother, their son that, that had a mental health uh, challenge. And, and, you know, that's that. And again, local family. These are people that are in our community, in our schools, own a business, really, you know, impactful story, but they were willing to share that and talk about it. That's that, that, that's, that's more, that's better than anything you can ask for. That's that vulnerability to that our team that we're making the right investments. That's the other that's side. That vulnerability. It. It's that storytelling. Yeah, I mean, Jesus being willing to be Buddha. part of it. And we talk, talk about them 2,000 plus years later. Why? Because well, it's a story, right? And so yeah. allow us to emotionally connect. And I love yeah. what you and said. I'm glad I, that I do I'm, see. Yeah. I do see the generational differences, like you're talking about, though, Mike. Um, I, I, I saw because I saw it with my father. I saw it with my grandparents. That they almost over compartmentalized. That sure. they separated their their per personal self from their professional self, and they were two sure. almost independent people. Yeah. Um, and you talk about being in tune with your emotions and 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 more accepting of the conversations and being. How have you built that confidence? Because that's what I would say. Tyler and I have seen is people that are confident with themselves and healthy. Right? I know who I am. I'm comfortable with it. Ask the best questions and are willing to actually listen to the answers. That's that. There's a question, Kevin. Um, I, I would. I'll go back to some of my academic training. I think, and and part of it is is, you know, let me answer it this way. So, I growing up competitively, you know, I knew that I had to be the leader playing hoops. I I came up. I played on the varsity team at a young age. I was always playing with older kids. I was always willing to take on a leadership role, right? And there were times when we we were not the best team on the court, but I knew that I was going to help us get through that game. I was going to help us work through it. I was going to help improve what we were trying to do, and we were going to be competitive. We we're going to work hard on that, right? And I knew that that became that became part of me. That you know, I'm 
we're, we may not win today, but at the end of the day, I'm going to give everything I got to put us in the best possible position to be successful. I, I want to say at LeMoyne, you know, I, I always shout out LeMoyne College. You know, I, I did my undergraduate work there. LeMoyne is a Jesuit institution. Um, full disclosure, I'm on the board of, board of, uh, board of Regents now there. Um, you know, LeMoyne does a great job of educating the whole person. That's part of their Jesuit philosophy. And, and I, I, I definitely grew as an individual in that space um, in the four years that I spent on that campus. Um, you know, I, I worked my tail off. I worked three jobs. You know, I drove the, the shuttle. We'll call it that on this 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 esteemed show. Uh, it's not always referred to that locally. And the I drunk think any, bus, uh, the drunk bus. Anyone yeah. that's ever been on a college campus yeah, knows yeah. that that's the that's the that's the unofficial title. Uh, but as a Lemoyne <laughs> region, I won't call it that. Thank you, President Linda Lamira. Please recognize I didn't. <laughs> um, but it's it's it really. But I learned so much through that process, and I grew as an individual and another person. You know, you asked about a leader that I look up to. Um, Antonio Reynoso. Antonio Reynoso is the Brooklyn Borough President. Um, he's the president of Brooklyn. Pretty cool title, y'all. Yeah. So Antonio Reynoso uh, was as a classmate of mine from LeMoyne College. I never would have met Antonio if I had not been at LeMoyne. He and I, you know, we both played rack hoops. We both played in the gym. I think he threw an elbow once. I threw an elbow once. I'm quite sure. Um, you know, we, we had a great following and a great friendship through that. We both found our way into politics in some regards. You know, he stayed in politics and been extraordinary, extraordinarily successful. Um, and I followed and supported his journey through that. And, and he's been there for me. And we've done some stuff uh, locally, you know, to help to help, uh, you know, upstate New York, just from a, from a political perspective. Um, but he has been somebody that... Wow. Lemoyne taught me, you know, I'm from a small town, you know, I didn't really have a lot of experience, you know, working with other, you know, other folks with backgrounds like Antonio's, I learned from him. And it started and again, it, it kind of was cool, because it started on the court. You know what I mean? That wow. That's part of my background. It was hoops. And, you know, he and I got to learn that we met people, we played against each other, we shook hands, we went hard. And we were competitors. And I think that's also part of that political part of it. So, and we found that journey together. So I, I think that's the way I think, Kevin, I'd answer that um, yeah. is just to kind of I, say I, the whole person matters. And, and that's, that's a part of me. Uh, and I like to think I lead that way. And I think it gets back to your competitiveness, right? And when you're competitive in sports, you're, you're willing to change your, your jump shot. Um, sure. if you know it's going to be better and then you practice that jump shot so then it becomes routine and then habit and yeah. and I think that's kind of that same lesson that I I would say is that that's why I always want to get better that's why I ask for feedback frankly um because it could be a lonely place when everybody's agreeing with you it's hard to hard hard to come up with new ideas right yeah and I you know Jamie would tell me and anybody else on our leadership team would say you know I I say this repeatedly that Tell me I'm wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. I'm willing to be wrong. I might be. I probably am. Um, you know, I, I I asked that question very much from a vulnerable status to say, listen, we're all going to collectively come to the right decision, but we all have to say, what's our position? What's our thought on the issue? Collectively, then we'll find the best way forward. Love that. Yeah, this is, I mean, I'm just going back to, I like to work, man. I, that, yeah, I know. That, that, that got me going. <laughs> like, I am, yeah, man. that's what it is. I like to work. I am. It's who I, I am. That's, that's awesome. But guys, I, I got to run right now. But Mike, it's been, it's been more than a pleasure, man. This has been fun. Uh, next time I'm up seeing Kevin, let's, let's uh, grab some sub shot, man. 
Let's um, do it. I, I can't remember what I get there, but I'll, I'll figure it out once I get there. It's a nice <laughs> but, uh, menu. There's lots yeah, of good man. options, and we'd be yeah, there. Are. That'd be great. That would be awesome. awesome. Like, we'll have- I just want to say thank you too. Thanks for being sharing all those stories, all those insights, um, and just saying yes to being on a show like this and sharing your passion. Yeah. Um, yeah. And hopefully, we taught somebody else to to think a little bit differently or or take one of these lessons and start to apply it to to what they're doing. Because at the end of the day, like you said, everybody's a leader. Um, it just doesn't take a title to to make you a leader. So I really yeah. appreciate no, I- you being on the show. It's my pleasure, and and thank you for the opportunity.